everybody and welcome back. Hope you're doing well and uh, hope you're excited for today. I know I am. Uh, this passage that we're going to read or reflect on today has some really great stuff in it. Um, so let's jump right in. We pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful again for this time, grateful for um, the rhythm of being together uh, every day, reading together every day, and hearing from you every day. Um, we ask, God, that you would guide our thinking, that you would um, speak to each one of us uh, in a personal and powerful way and show us our next step of faith to take today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today, I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 3. I'm going to read the first six verses and then jump down and read verses 21 and 22. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod, tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, tetrarch of Ituria and Trachonitis, and Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight, the rough ways smooth, and all people will see God's salvation. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was open and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, whom I love, with you I am well pleased. There's essentially nothing known of Jesus uh, from when he was a toddler, what we read about yesterday, to the beginning of his mission and ministry, uh, what we just read in this passage. There's one moment uh, captured by Luke at the end of chapter two of Jesus in the temple at age 12. But other than that, the gospels quickly get into his adult life um, and in actuality to the last three years or so of his life leading up to his crucifixion. This isn't uncommon of ancient accounts, um, which were often not intended to be complete biographies, but rather were crafted to capture the significance of a person's life. This moment of Jesus' baptism was one of those moments that conveyed the significance of his life. And as I think we'll see, um, this moment carries significance as well for every one of his followers. I, I want to pause and think about personal worth for a moment. What I mean is that uh, each one of us feel worthwhile or maybe not so much on any given day. So we might have a sense that uh, either we are or we're not good enough, um, that we either are worthy of respect or we're not, that we either measure up or we don't. I hope you understand what I'm trying to get at here. Um, maybe it would help if we thought about it this way. What does it feel like to feel worthwhile? Our, our spirits are lifted, aren't they? We walk with assurance and confidence. Life just feels light. 
the, the opposite is true when we feel worthless, isn't it? We feel dark and chilled from the inside out as if we're living in a cave. We feel slow and, and maybe even demoralized. What causes us to feel this way? What is it that gives us a sense of worthiness, a sense that we're valued and valuable, that we mean something? Now, I know these are difficult questions to answer, um, and I'm sure that we could all spend a lot of time discussing uh, them together. I want to suggest, though, that of all the things that give us worth, relationships are the most powerful. In particular, I think that we're most impacted by the opinions of the people who we value the most. If, for example, your career is going really great, uh, you just got a promotion, you're being invited to speak all over on important topics, but your spouse doesn't love you or your kids don't respect you, you move out into all of those good, good things in weakness. In the opposite way, uh, the encouraging word of a trusted friend or them putting their arms around your shoulder and simply saying, I'm here for you, can, can bring life to your heart and help you get through just about anything. I once heard a message by Tim Keller who was talking about relationships and in particular talking about the types of relationships that exist in our world. He, he argued that in the most basic sense, there are really only two types of relationships, family relationships and business relationships. What he meant was that at their most fundamental level, relationships are either based on a promise or based on performance. Family relationships are covenantal. Business relationships are transactional. In a family relationship, mutual love and affection and worth is based on who you are. In a business relationship, mutual affection and worth is based on what you do. Now, maybe Tim Keller's wrong, but this makes so much sense in my own life. I regularly catch myself feeling high or low based on what other people say about me or how they posture themselves towards me. What's worse is, is that I catch myself pursuing their approval, my, my sense of worth, by posturing in return, by, by saying certain things or acting certain ways or striving to be really great in certain areas to get their attention and approval. I get caught performing without even thinking about it. When I reflect on the relationships uh, between Liz and me and our kids, though, uh, or really of any of my close friends, I don't think, what have they done for me lately? I just love them. I, I value them. They're worthwhile to me because we're family. My kids are probably the best example of this. Uh, my kids' very existence and their relationship to me are impossible to separate. The moment they came into this world, they were my daughters and my son, and that will always be their identity no matter what. I pray like every parent that we'll always be close, close with our kids, but even if we're not, even if, you know, God forbid, someday they decide that they're better off without me and leave home and never talk to me again, they can't unbe my children. And, and because of that relationship, that familial relationship, They'll always be in my mind and I'll always love them.
The text we read tells us that Jesus went out to where John was baptizing and walked among the crowds. At that point, no one knew who he was, but as he waded into the water and moved toward John, I imagine that every eye turned their attention to him. And after John baptized him and he came up out of the water, Luke tells us uh, about what must have been an absolutely stunning and surreal moment for the people who were there. Luke wrote that the Spirit of God descended on Jesus in the appearance of a dove, and the voice of God spoke words of identity from heaven, a father expressing his heart to his son. In, in that moment, God the Father declared Jesus' worth. He was his son, he was loved, and he made his dad proud. What amazing words! There isn't a child on the planet that wouldn't benefit from hearing those words from their parent every single day, who, who wouldn't live with uh, confidence if they believe that that was who they really were. There are uh, two very important things for us to consider about these words. Uh, first, they came before Jesus healed anyone before he taught the way of God with power, before he confronted the religious hypocrites and defended the poor and oppressed, before he made blind people see or brought people back from the dead, Jesus had done zero minutes of ministry before this moment. The, the Father's words to Jesus were covenantal, not transactional. They weren't based on his performance. They were words that reflected his true identity, who the father thought he was, completely apart from what he did. The second important thing is this. As we zoom out from this passage and consider the entire landscape of the New Testament, we, we see peaks emerge that shed important light on how to understand Jesus' identity and our own. On the night of Jesus' betrayal and arrest, he shared a meal with his closest friends, and afterward, he prayed for them. In John chapter 17, we read that part of his prayer went like this. Father, I pray for those who will believe in me. I pray that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Jesus prayed that he would be in everyone who had faith in him. What does that mean? We read later in Galatians chapter 2, the apostle Paul describing his relationship to Jesus. He wrote, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Jesus and us, us and Jesus, is that what this is all really saying? I think that you'll find that it is. One of the great mysteries for our human brains, yet the greatest reality for our hearts and souls, is that believing in Jesus means becoming one with him. In, in Christ, we, we went to the cross to pay the penalty for our sin and die the death we deserved. And it is in Christ that we rise with him from the empty tomb with the hope of eternal life. And, uh, oh, by the way, it is in Christ 
that we are gifted a new identity, an identity of personal worth that comes from a voice bigger and higher and beyond any voice on this planet. You are my child. I love you. I'm proud of you. What if we really believed that? What if we lived into that and lived out of that? What security, what assurance, what confidence? I'm loved and valued and cherished by the creator of the universe. What can touch that? It's available today to everyone, to me and to you. Let's pray. Gracious Father, uh, Holy God, this message is almost too good for us to believe, yet in our heart of hearts, we hope that it's true and we know that it's true. We thank you that in Jesus, uh, we don't have to posture and perform anymore. We don't have to worry about winning your approval to secure our worth. We're, we're humbled, God. We're beyond grateful uh, for you securing all of this on our behalf in Jesus. Help us to uh, embrace this identity truly as our own, to let go of our need to, to please public opinion and free us to live with nothing to lose because we already have everything in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.